Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. We all want to build a better business so we can be better architects. Well, a better business starts with planning for profit. Download our free course, Profit for Small Firm Architects. It's free at entrearchitect.com slash free course. You are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, and this is episode 192. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm whether you're in the process of launching a startup or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. And we are back with another episode of our podcast series called the Entrepreneur Architect, where I interview you, members of the Entree Architect community. I want to know your story. I want to give you an opportunity to share some of your knowledge. We all have a story about how we were inspired to pursue a career in this profession, a story about the people who influenced us along the way, and a story about how we became Entrepreneur Architects. This week at Entree Architect Podcast, Earl Parson, Entrepreneur Architect. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, FreshBooks, 
Core by BQE Software, RCAT, and Charette Venture Group. I'm going to share a little bit more about these great companies later in the show, but before we get started here, just to take a quick note right now, share some time this week to visit each one of them and let them know that you appreciate them for supporting us, the Entree Architect community. Earl Parson, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me on the show. It's great having you here, Earl. You and I are good friends. You've been uh, hanging out with me over at Entree Architect Academy for a long time. Uh, I've been following you with what you do with Clever Moderns. So I'm really, really excited to, uh, to share your story with our audience here today. Well, thanks. I'm super excited to be here as well. So this will be fun. Let's, uh, let me tell our, our friends here a little bit about you. Earl Parson is an architect based in Los Angeles. He practices residential architecture as Parson Architecture and is the founder of CleverModerns.com, an online platform empowering do-it-yourself owner builders with plans and coaching. So that, that gives you a little bit, a little tidbit of what Earl is all about. Earl, I'd love for you to sort of share your origin story, go back to where you discovered architecture, what inspired you to become an architect, and uh, give us the story from where you, uh, from that point to where you find yourself today. Sure. Okay, great. So I, uh, I was born and grew up in Muncie, Indiana, which is the home of Ball State University, uh, one of the you know pretty good schools of architecture. Um, so shout out to all the Ball State architecture folks listening. Um, but I didn't go to Ball State. So I, uh, I grew up in Muncie and I had some, I guess I had some sort of my life intersected with architecture uh, when I was a kid because my best friend's dad was an architect in town back at, at the time. And they lived down the street and we were in and out of each other's houses all the time. And so he was uh, and we would, you know, stop by his dad's office once in a while. And I saw the giant drawing boards and the the you know the electric erasers were like fascinating cool toys when you were a kid <laughs> and stuff like that and um so that was you know i was around it a little bit that way and uh that didn't directly you know have me wanting to be an architect per se like to follow in his footsteps or anything necessarily but it was just a you know role models around you in your life of things that you could be of the options of, you know when you grow up what you might be so it was sort of in the background that way and then um, my dad, uh, my dad owned a building downtown, um, just sort of as an investment and as a hobby. And he had, uh, it was a little two, two story, um, like three storefronts wide, two stories high, just a little business building, kind of a 19th century, uh, you know, building downtown. And so, uh, it was kind of constantly, there were projects fixing up the building downtown. There were a couple of apartments upstairs and I was around that a lot. So, and we, when, and then, a also, when I was a kid, we added on to our house and I was so I was around construction a lot. I was around, um, you know, architecture in that way. And it just sort of like uh, there was a moment where I just sort of started falling in love with the old buildings downtown and, you know, observing the observing the building across the street and the carvings in the stone from from being in the in my dad's building, working on the apartment upstairs or fixing something or what have you. And. So I was just, I sort of fell in love with buildings when I was about 10 or 12 years old, or maybe a little bit older, 13 or 14, something there. And so that was, um, I, that kind of started 
setting me on that path. And then my parents really encouraged it and they would buy me architecture books all the time. And, um, just by the time I was in high school, I pretty much wanted to be an architect. I think at that point, uh, it was pretty much settled for me. And, uh, but I wanted to get out and kind of expand my horizons more than going to Ball State in Muncie, which is, you know, uh, I just needed to get out and see the world more and do something, go somewhere else. So, um, I ended up in St. Louis at Washington University and uh, really loved it there. St. Louis is a great city for architecture, and I really loved my undergrad time um, in St. Louis. And then, uh, and that was in the late 80s, and then I ended up, uh, kept going west, and I ended up at SciArc um, in the early and mid-90s for grad school and stayed in L.A. from there. So that's sort of, uh, you know, worked for some architects around town and um, ended up on my own uh, kind of when everything melted down in the recession and I vowed I was never going back. And so I never went back. <laughs> <laughs> Cy Arc was a very interesting place to be during the nineties. It, it was great. Michael Rotundi was the director. Yeah. Um, he ran a great school and I really enjoyed it. And, uh, there's an incredible amount of freedom to explore architecture and, and your ideas the way, you know, the way you wanted to, and a lot of support for that kind of exploration. Uh, at the school at that time, and you know, which it, I think it still probably is, uh, you know, it's kind of how they're known. So, what did you do once you graduated? So when I when I graduated, I worked for um, well, a friend and I kind of spent a, a summer trying to not get real jobs, and we got some good um, gigs doing some design work on the side, and or, well, not on the side because that was really our thing at that point because we were out of school uh, building furniture. Uh, we did an interior suite for a for a graphic design company on Wilshire Boulevard that was really fun and um, did some jobs like that. And then I ended up uh, in that, that by the later that year, I guess. So this would have been uh, 97, late 97 or 1998. I worked for Marmel Red Zener for a little while here in Los Angeles. Uh, I worked for Warren Wagner, who's a really good architect doing some modern and uh, passive solar things. Uh, in West Los Angeles, and um, and then uh, had some other gigs. I worked uh, for Studio Works, which is Robert Mangurian and Marianne Ray, and they they were big mentors of mine from SciArc, and they're in downtown Los Angeles, and they had a couple of public schools at that time, so that was really fun um, working with them. And uh, I taught after that, and I taught for. Uh, about I had taught off and on at Otis College of Design and at SciArc a little bit, and I got a full-time gig at Pasadena City College teaching drawing for a year, and so I was full-time faculty for a one-year assignment, and uh, and that was that was a great experience too. And um, so I taught I've I've taught off and on that, and then I taught um, and well then that assignment ended after a year, and so then I moved to uh, Keating Kong Architecture in Pasadena. Uh, stayed kind of up in that neck of the woods and Pasadena is a beautiful city and, and has some great stuff going on as well. And so, um, and then the recession came and went. And so then that was, uh, then I was on my own since then. So, and then clever modern started, you will probably get into that a little bit more, but then that's been the, like the last couple of years of my life. So, so when you started Parson architecture, was it, uh, an intentional decision to start your own firm or what were you downsized and decided, okay, I'm going to do this now? 
I, I pretty much decided I was just going to do this now and I didn't have, so there wasn't a big launch strategy or a big build up to that necessarily. Um, you know, I had been trying to save money wherever I could to, you know, figuring that there would be a time in the future when I'd want to be wanting to do that. And I, and I, you know, and it was the depths of the recession in, in 2009. Um, you know, there was really no, no work, but I, I, I'd always loved, um, welding and making things. And I've always been really hands-on making things, making furniture and, and, uh, working on my, on my house and stuff. So I, at that point, um, I had been welding and I had been dragging home scrap metal from construction sites for a while and just cooking up things in my garage with my welder, um, you know, rebar and pieces of just bits and odds of things. And, um, so then what happened in 2009, there was, I got kind of a little bit of a boost right uh, after sort of the layoffs and stuff because there was a gallery show. Um, some friends connected me with a gallery in downtown LA in Chinatown that was um, had that had a show and they, they brought together some architects and designers who were sort of struggling in the recession and had a show of, you know, furniture and objects. Um, at that point, and that was at Fifth Floor Gallery, and uh, that was really fun. And so then, and then that ended up, that did eventually lead to work, and uh, and there was um, that led to a client, that led to another client, and then that's been a repeat client. And so some good, some good things like that came out of just that that experience, and uh, you know, and then it was just sort of rebuilding from there. And then in the recession, um, you know, one of the things I, I got kind of an opportunity to do a build a house for my dad in Tennessee. And so that took uh, a, a good chunk of my time uh, and became kind of a, a, a good project during that um, during that period as well. And then when that wrapped up, I started getting some other consulting and things were things were coming back a little bit more. And, and so I didn't really formalize as Parson Architecture until a little bit later. And then but I started getting. Um, more consulting gigs, like with interior designers, working through drawings and details with them on a more architectural scale that they needed help with. And then I also, um, I got connected with uh, some uh, uh, some people in down in Orange County, California, that have uh, some daycare facilities. And I had the school experience uh, from from my past work when I was at Studio Works. And so the daycare was kind of a good uh, fit that way. And I got, I did a few really good jobs for them and they required insurance. And I was clear that I needed to bring, a, you know, a, a kind of more, a bigger level of professionalism to my business structures with a corporate client like that. And that was really good for me. It, I, I'm not really working in that area right now anymore, but it was a great opportunity to grow into those more, uh, create some a little bit more, I guess I would say, like established business practices and getting insurance and really creating a proper DBA and calling myself Parson Architecture. And then that made me want a better website. And it all just, you know, uh, bit by bit, you know, you just kind of keep improving things. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to ask you about your welding because I know you're a welder. And uh, where and when did that happen? Because I know that's a big part of your life and what you do. Um, talk about that a little bit. So when I was a kid, um, my grandpa had a, my grandparents lived on a farm in Southern Indiana and my grandpa was just, uh, you know, he could do anything. He was my superhero when I was a kid. And, uh, he had, um, <clears throat> you know, he made everything that he had on his farm. They, always, my mom still tells the story about how, when 
he was when power when they brought power through they had no electricity you know when they set up their farm in the 30s down in there and when they brought electricity through the area he he got a book and learned how to wire run the wiring and he wired his whole farm himself and the guy had to come out and you know there was an inspection to connect to the cooperative or whatever it was and the 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 guy that inspected said it was the best <laughs> the best one he had ever seen yeah and uh, that's just how he was. He built all his buildings himself on the farm, and I would get him to tell me stories about how he did it. And uh, there was some kind of device that, like a, it was sounds like it was almost like a kind of a wheelbarrow contraption that they would load with dirt and have the horses haul it out of the basements and stuff when they excavated. And it was there was you know he told me all these things about how they did that stuff, how he laid out the buildings, and that was always fascinating to me. But anyway, he so he had a welder. And, you know, he repaired his machinery and stuff on the farm. But then he would make like crazy looking plant stands and like stuff. He was always just making weird contraptions out of stuff from the farm. And the the one that really I saw this, my I guess my first aha moment really in my life that I can pin down is that there was this there's this weird looking sea clamp. I've got it over there on the shelf. It's, I don't know if you can, well, you're, no one's going to see the video here. There's a blog post on Clever Moderns. The very first blog post talks about this. So they can scroll back through the blog if they want to see this. You can thing. send me the link. I'll put it on the show notes. Yeah. Okay. So the, um, this thing was a, a piece of farm machinery that was sort of like vaguely U-shaped with notches on one side. And he welded a big, heavy nut and bolt to one side of it so that it created, he needed a C-clamp in his shop. And he, so he scrounged around and found something that was vaguely C-shaped and it was some farm machine part. I don't really know what it is. And um, welded a nut, a nut on it that he could thread a bolt through and that would close against the other side and create a C-clamp. And when, I, when he showed me that, when I was, well, that must have been 10 or 12, and he showed me that, and it really blew my mind. And I think that phrase is way overused. But as a kid, to see this thing, and he's he's made the here he has made the C clamp out of just a piece of scrap, and it's a very cool looking thing. Um, that I it dawned on me. I had this realization that like my dad had C clamps in his workshop, but they just looked like normal C clamps, and I knew what a C clamp was. And here's this C-clamp that does is not like any other C-clamp in the world. And it, I realized that everything on every sh store shelf out in the world and everything around us in our lives and everything that exists is just that way because somebody, somebody made it that way. Somebody decided to make it that way and everyone else like went along and now that's the way they all are. For no better reason than like somebody thought that up and everyone else just decided to make it that way and it just became the normal way to do it. And that like nothing really has to be that way ever at all, any of it. It sounds and to me, just, knowing, knowing you Earl, it sounds to me like uh, everything that you're doing today started with that C-clamp. It totally started with the C-clamp and uh, yeah. And so um, I don't know, it was just kind of like, I still I, you know get sort of goosebumps or something when I think about that really, when I really embrace that idea. So. Anyhow, that was uh, that. And so then I didn't really get a welder and start welding until, well, I learned how to weld at SciArc. So Randall Wilson was the shop master at SciArc in those days. And uh, he taught all the object making classes. Not He didn't teach them all, but he ran the shop and he taught a lot of them. And so he had a, uh, there was a summer class 
that summer that he called Cycles of Expression and Everyone Built Bicycles. <clears throat> I don't remember if it was a summer class or a regular, it doesn't matter. So anyway, I took the, I took the, weld, the bicycle class with Randall and then that's when I learned to weld. And, um, and so uh, we all made bikes and then uh, the next year I was the TA or the next time he taught it, I was the TA for the class and that was just you know more of that and a great experience and uh anyway so then um once i bought my house uh and then you know had a garage that i could really set up in and not just make it do whatever i want with it and not worry about a landlord and all that stuff and uh and have the space to do it then i got a welder and started accumulating equipment and and stuff and then uh you know it's been uh, well, I mean, it, it kept me sane during the recession because there was, uh, you know, not a lot of work and you know, I just had to have a creative outlet. And so then that, that, and then when that show came along, you know, it was really great because then I got to make, make even more stuff and really kind of present it. And that was fun. Yeah. And it got you noticed. You put, you put it in the yeah. show and, and that got you noticed as an architect, got you some work and the rest is history. Very cool. Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, FreshBooks, Core by BQE Software, RCAT, and Charette Venture Group. FreshBooks makes it simple to send invoices, post your expenses automatically, track your time for the whole team, buy project, and get organized with reports, communication, and notifications. It does everything. My favorite feature in FreshBooks is the automated invoice reminders. I love this. I think sending invoices and getting paid is one of the biggest barriers to our success as entrepreneur architects. Who has time, right? But if we don't send out invoices, we don't get paid. FreshBooks makes it easy to send out invoices and get paid online with a click of a button. And when your client doesn't pay you on time, FreshBooks will send them a friendly email reminder through a simple system that you set up and control. Sign up for a free 30-day unrestricted trial and get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid faster. Visit entrearchitect.com freshbooks to access FreshBooks for free. And be sure to enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. One of the most often requested resources here at the Entree Architect community is project management software. How do we keep our projects and our people organized while we grow as entrepreneur architects? BQE Core revolutionizes the way architects manage projects, time and expenses, billing and accounting. Made by BQE, the company behind ArchiOffice, Core saves you time while giving you the visibility, the flexibility and the power you need to grow your firm. Work from anywhere, seamlessly collaborate, and gain transformative insights with Core's groundbreaking platform. Listeners here at the Entree Architect podcast can get a free 15-day trial of Core at entrearchitect.com slash BQE. That's entrearchitect.com slash BQE. If you've been listening here to this podcast anytime during the past few months, you have heard me talking about our friends, RCAT. And hopefully you're already using their free resources on a regular basis. But for those of you who have not yet checked out RCAT, it's a great tool 
super small from architects. RCAT has a huge library of free content, CAD, BIM, specifications, and more. They've done all the work for you. It will save you time and money. You need a spec, click on over and download the CSI three-part specification in multiple formats. How about a CAD detail or a BIM object, all free, click of a mouse. RCAT has tons of building product content ready for you to use, and it's all completely free. You don't even have to register to download the content. That is my favorite part of RCAT. Visit our friends at RCAT at entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. That's A-R-C-A-T, entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. And let them know that I sent you from the Entree Architect podcast. Charette Venture Group invests in small to mid-sized architecture firms with the goal to create action behind aspirations. CVG seeks architect clients with a passion for growth and dedication to becoming a larger, stronger business. Entree Architect is an investment partner with CVG, so I know firsthand how their support has transformed my business and my life. We also have several members inside the Entree Architect Academy who are investment partners with CVG as well. And it is truly a pleasure to watch these firms grow. The team at Charette Venture Group is ready to help you take your architecture firm to the next level. Your firm is unique. Your challenges aren't. Charette Venture Group can help. To schedule a free consultation with Charette Venture Group or to take their free architect business assessment to see exactly where you stand as a business, visit them today at entrearchitect.com slash CVG. FreshBooks, BQE Software, RCAT, and Charette Venture Group. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. So the um, was there in in all of this time that you just talked about was there was there other than becoming an architect because that's everybody's big goal when you when you're becoming an architect was there was there any other big goal that you had that you reached for and you achieved and, and that you can sort of share with us how you achieved it? I think that I think I'll I'll pivot more towards the clever modern story with this, uh, which I think is really um, I so the achievement I guess would have been the. Uh, I think in, in a lot of ways, the achievement was just entering the Charette Venture Group business plan competition. Uh, I ended up getting an honorable mention, and so you could point to that as the achievement. But in my mind, really, it was just getting the hurdle, the mental and psychological hurdles past entering it. Yeah. Um, because the previous year, I had uh, you know, been aware of it, and I didn't enter. And I didn't enter, I guess, because I just didn't feel like I had an, a unique enough proposition to really go anywhere with it. And, and, and I guess there were some confidence issues wrapped up in all of that as well. Um, and by the next year I had really, um, started developing, you know, the ideas that became clever moderns. And so, uh, I was determined to, to pull together a business plan and really do that and enter it. And I think it was just getting over the sort of internal dialogue preventing me from entering. You know, that was the big. And I think what the things that had me achieving that were um, 
well, listening to you, <laughs> I blame you and uh, Seth Godin, um, you know, two voices sort of encouraging me to just uh, I mean, you directly to me, but Seth Godin in the abstract, you know, encouraging a person to um, to have the courage to to do something and develop something and develop an idea or a thing and to be able to put it out to the world and say, you know, here I am and I made this, you know, uh, and and this is what I've done and to, you know, have the courage to follow your ideas through. And um, and it was really a lot of work. And I it, it was me sitting down uh, almost every morning, you know, quietly reading and writing for 45 minutes to an hour to v developing these ideas. And I would sometimes I would write you know, I would just write long form, you know, on paper on eight and a half by 11 pages, just put a header and start writing on the topic. Sometimes it would be outlining things like that. Sometimes it would be taking old, old drawings that would have been headed for recycling and laying them down on my desk in a thick stack and flattening them out. And then taking, I got a multi-pack of Sharpie pens uh, in all the colors. And so diagramming things out, you know, being a visual thinker, it's you can I can write all the words I want, but sometimes just drawing words and connecting them with lines and putting boxes around them in the appropriate colors and you know side lists on the side of of related ideas that I need to follow through on. And so it was sort of like visual outlining in large format in color. Um, and all of that funneled into my business plan. And uh, help really just I, I just I'm still amazed at kind of the tremendous amount of work I put into clarifying my thinking and developing the ideas. Because and I think, you know, it also showed me again, uh, I think you learn this a lot in school, but it, when you're out of school for a while, you have to kind of relearn these things sometimes. But just the idea that you can have an idea, but then it, it still may take a lot of work to develop the idea to the point that it's actually something worth considering. And it's that hard work that is like that's the hard part you know, really developing the idea um, that can lead you then to implementing. So, so um, yeah. Talk, talk a little bit about what Clever Moderns is. Cause... Okay. So, um, so Clever Moderns is uh, a platform that I'm developing. So I'll, I'll uh, present, I guess I'll, I'll sort of talk about where I want to take it, but I'll talk yep. about where we're at right now because yep. we're, you know, we're just developing it. So, it's an idea that, um, you know, in in it came to me in this way, I guess. So I was thinking about um, trying to get better clients and who are my best clients and how do I, and and also about when you get a good client, how do you present your ideas to them and and get them to buy in on your best ideas that may be the more more unorthodox ideas and people can be afraid of that. And so there's, you know, how do you present all that? And so. It occurred to me, well, what if I develop the ideas first and put them out there? And then people that like the ideas maybe will buy into the ideas once they see them fully formed rather than uh, get the client and then try and hope that they're going to be willing to go along with the ideas. And so that was part of the idea. And then um, it, was, it was, and it's kind of an idea about selling house plans, you know, on, online. And there are a lot of, there's a ton of websites that sell plans. So it's a passive income strategy for me as an architect. And, but then uh, I had also had a lot of ideas about um, 
the the clients that, okay there are a couple of clients that came to me through that welding the welding the furniture that I had had in that show and they were good friends and now often it's been a while and we're overdue but with the three of us we'll go out for sushi on a Friday evening and uh, there's so there's a little bit of a community there around us and the work and just the kind of shared enjoyment of each other's company and you know and all of that so they're more than clients at this point and I they were total strangers to me before and so there were ideas about community a, growing a community around a group of clients who are all interested in the same things architecturally and and lifestyle wise and you know, there's never been a better time to grow a community than today, the world we live in, uh, and being able to develop communities online and 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 that way. So, uh, be became ideas about um, do it yourself. People building their own houses, uh, with not just selling the plans, but providing coaching and support for people that wanted to build their own house, and and I use this, you know, the kind of do it yourself, I think there's a, it's a spectrum, right? You can do it yourself and hammer every nail yourself and do every bit of it yourself, or you can do it yourself and like your act as your own GC and you're still hiring out a lot of the work, but you're just really in control of it and doing, and doing some of it yourself. And so, um, was just, it was an, it, so clever moderns is an idea about growing a community around that whole idea people supporting one another, sharing ideas, sharing tips, um, getting direct consulting from me as support and, and feedback as part of it, and um, buying the plans uh, as you know an income stream for me and as a way to design some really good modern houses that can be very simple. And you know, I think there are a lot of people out there that, I mean, I think the websites like House and Pinterest that show like people are really into the idea. I think a lot more people love the idea of having interesting architecture and design around them than are actually going to go out and hire an architect to do that. You know, uh, we just know this as architects. And so I think there's like a hidden market in there somewhere for people that are, you know, and some of those people would never do it themselves and some would totally do it themselves if they just had a little help and some encouragement. And so, um, and the real, the real, uh, so there was an aha moment, like, you know, back to that idea with Clever Moderns, which was, I was, had all these ideas percolating around in my head. And I remember I was standing in my kitchen, probably doing the dishes, listening to you on a podcast. And it, uh, it, it, it dawned on me, what if I, what if rather than charging you know, the, the, the thing we always want to do is be present a greater value proposition so that we can charge a, a greater, better fee for our services. Right. That's, that's a, a thing that we all try to do as architects, I, I would hope, or as a goal. And so, uh, I had the idea, well, what if, what if I just inverted that completely and turned it on its head? And what if I just gave away the plans for free? And so what, and what I, the way that I was thinking of it was like, well, I allowed myself to go down the road of that of that thought by saying, well, what what if I just presented that as a given? The plans are free. Then what is what would be the necessary conditions? How does the rest of it have to work to get that to be part of it? 
You know, if I really, if that's going to be the central idea, then how does, and then there's just monetizing it some other way, or there's other, you know, that's not the, you know, that's not paying the bills, but something else is. And so then like, that's what got my wheels turning on, um, well, that, that, uh, you know, there could be other, other coaching support. There could be other products that are sold along the way that the free plans become, you know, the way in, and then there you're selling other things. You're not really selling the design or the plans. And um, then that really started unlocking a lot of uh, new ideas for me about sort of how to present this platform and what to do. And um, and it really wasn't. Uh, and so now uh, now it's kind of morphed a little bit. And um, and I, I I'm about to launch the. When, do you know when this podcast will air? Do you have a sense of that? Uh, probably the first week of November. Okay, so I'm working pretty closely on having the first free plans actually on the website, and they'll probably be. They'll, uh, now I have a really good goal to <laughs> get them on by the time this airs. Um, so uh, it's sort of turned into that the free plans are going to be really basically like a, a schematic design level proposition and then uh at some point then i'll be adding full construction plans uh, you know as a for sale product mm -hmm. and right now what we're doing is as you know because you're following it so what we what we're, we're building our first um prototype houses and what we've also done is because you know the backstory with my grandpa on the farm and uh some of that stuff that I've, and the welding and the metal that I've always been interested in, I've always loved Quonset huts. And so, um, we are building, uh, the first, the first plans and the beginnings of the platform have now ended up being, which, which wasn't, it was in there, but it wasn't the central focus of everything in the original business plan and the original concept. But now it's really kind of taken over. Uh, and I'm just really having a lot of fun with it. So, um, my husband and I bought some land in Northern Arizona and we're building a group of Quonset hut houses on our property there. And so we're calling it the compound <laughs> and we're just having a lot of fun. Uh, we spent this whole, uh, this whole year basically, um, starting with raw land and developing it. And, uh, our first two Quonset huts are well underway. Uh, we're racing the freeze right now to get them, you know, done, uh, to get the one that has water in it, you know, done before it really freezes. And so all of our, and, and it's amazing, you know, the, they, they say the more you, the more you niche down in your market and the more specific you are, the, the more like your raving fans will come and find you. I mean, it's bizarre and it's so, it's become so true for me with this. So, um, I've got a Facebook group, uh, for do it yourself Quonset fans. It's called DIY Quonset dwellers on Facebook. Um, I've got uh, a newsletter that's growing because people are finding my blog who are interested in Quonset huts and Quonset hut houses. And I've, uh, I've got a great Instagram following that's growing also, uh, pretty well. And so, what's, um, what's the, uh, the Instagram user? So the Instagram is Quonset house okay. on Instagram. We'll I have, do have, we'll, a have links, we'll have links to all of that on the show notes. Right. I have a clever moderns Instagram fee, uh, account that I'm not really using uh, because the the Quonset house just completely took over. So, um, uh, and the um, the website and blog are just at clevermoderns.com. 
Um, and uh, it's just it's so we're 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 building the house, the Quonset houses, the Quon the Quonsets there, and um, we have bigger plans for the spring. Uh, we're going to start our next building in the spring, and uh, so well, it's, well, it's so. What would you say was your biggest struggle in, in you know, putting together um, Clever Moderns, having it evolve into the Quonset houses, which now is feeding Clever Moderns. It's sort of, uh, you, at, at first, mm -hmm. maybe you thought it was two separate things, but they've become the, the same. They've been evolving into, into one platform. Um, what was a struggle once you sort of got past the business plan of you know having the achievement of, of having the business plan uh, be recognized, executing on that business plan, having Clever Moderns launch, start building these houses. What was a big struggle that you may have come upon and how did you, how did you overcome it? Well, so there were a couple of big struggles. Creating the newsletter was a big struggle for me. I'm, and so I'm not, I'm not like the most introverted person in the world, but I'm not the biggest extrovert either. And just putting my ideas out there is slightly terrifying for me. And um, so creating the newsletter was something I'd wanted to do. And I was just afraid of it. The fear of, of, of doing that was really holding me back. And I was talking to a friend uh, who is a, like a she's sort of a business coach and a leadership development, um, you know, pro is her job. She goes around training uh, people all the time and she's really good at it. And um, so she, her company, I'll give her, can I give her a shout out? Cause yeah, she's been sure. really great. Absolutely. Her company is called Talent Grow. Her name is Haleli Azulai. She's been a big resource for me and a lot of support. Uh, we have coffee once in a while, but she's just a good friend. And so she, uh, she was advised, she said, well, get, if you, you know, if your newsletter is really like, if you're, you know, get to hire it out, get someone to get someone to write your newsletter for you. Just, you know, I know a guy I'm like, who's, who's the guy, you know? <laughs> so, <clears throat> so I, you know, basically I, um, I, I put it all together. I pulled the bullet, I write bullet points. I write a couple of paragraphs. Um, I pull the images together, uh, and then I send him an email. I'm like, here's what I wanted to say. And then he puts it all together in MailChimp and sends it out. And he sends me a draft and I review it. And I had to make a rule for myself at the beginning that I'm only I'm only going to let myself have one edit. So he sends it to me. I can go through it and make any changes I want. But then my rule with myself is that when I send it back to him, I, uh, I send it and I say, here are the changes, send it. I don't allow myself a second time to go through it because I'll never it'll never go out if I do that. Yeah. So, so that was a big struggle, and um, and you know, and now it's easy. Like I'm not as afraid of it. I don't yeah. know. I was yeah. I was afraid of putting it out. And now now my biggest related struggle is like getting these free plans onto the website. It's terrifying to me to put the free plans on the website. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you need to you need to go through because that's your goal. You need to put together an action plan and say, OK, this these are the incremental pieces I need to do to get to that goal. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and and I will say, I mean, and and then my secret weapon is airplane mode. So when I really want to sit down with something and yep. focus I put my phone in airplane mode and I love putting this is my one of my big tips to the to the listening audience. Use airplane mode on your phone because there's something about airplane mode that's just like it's like a 
it stops every incoming thing, but it's also like a psychological barrier for me. And it says, you know, I, it, it, to me, it means I've sat down and I've figured out what is the most important thing for me to be doing right now. And if a client calls, I can call them back. If, you know, something in the outside world needs my attention, I've already decided that there's no way that that can be more important than what this thing is right now in front of me that I decided I need to do. And so airplane mode and, you know, I'll go in airplane mode for a few hours in the afternoon and get a super productive time for me. It's great. So, yeah, I need to make my short list of final steps to get the free plans on. And uh, I need to be as specific with the list as possible, because the more vague your action items are, the more room there is for you to like wander, wander around in some other thing that's not related. And uh, yeah, get that on there. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's been fun watching you uh, <laughs> grow and have these successes over and over again. Uh, I know it's hard. You know, it's it's a struggle to get to where you want to go. I think we all experience that. We all have these ideas of what we want to be, uh, and it takes some act action and and intention to get to where you're going. And you do that, and I uh, and I and I want to give you credit for that. You've come a long way. And uh, I really enjoy watching it, watching it grow. Let's get into some some quick questions, and we can wrap wrap things sure. up here. Um, at what age did you decide to become an architect? I think that was around fourteen or fifteen for me. What's your target market? And that could be Parson so, or Clever Moderns. Well, so the target market really with Clever Moderns at the moment is uh, you know do it yourself, Quonset obsessed people. And uh, I'm trying to figure out if there's like a more demographic description of who those people are, which I haven't quite figured out yet. But I mean, they're finding me and they're signing up and they're joining the conversation and stuff. So there I'm reaching them, but yeah. I, I don't I don't have a good I wish I had a better demographic description, but I don't really. That's that's a very interesting idea, because <laughs> as you build your community and more and more people are attracted to your community your community will tell you who your target market is. Mm -hmm. So that's a very interesting idea of sort of building the community first and then having the community tell you who, who that market is. Right. Um, well, this is, this might be a difficult question. Stipulated some hourly percentage based fee. What's your firm's fee structure? So you, maybe you can talk both <coughs> Parson architecture, uh, and, and how the monetization is going to work with clever modern. So, so yeah, so with Parson architecture, I, I pretty typically, um, I, I, I will set a stip, oh, sorry. I will set a stipulated sum, uh, for that. And, um, and then, you know, really, and I generally base that on a percentage, mm -hmm. um, is it's just easier to talk about with the client that way. Right. So internally then, it's percentage, but your your the contract is a step. Yeah, and and then uh, I'm getting some better things in place as far as uh, one of the things I've realized is when you when you you can present a stipulated sum to a client, and you can have all these limitations and sort of structure for the process and stuff in the contract. But once they sign the contract and you're underway with them, they don't ever go back and look at the contract, and they don't know when you're at the end of a phase that it matters that, you know, that work is done now. And if they want to revisit that, they got to re pay you additional and whatever you have to remind, I think you need to remind them 
of the process as you go through the process. And you've talked about this as well in the past. And yeah. so, um, you know, ways of uh, the last uh, one, and it went really well, I, I created a kind of flow chart graphic that outlined the phases and described the meetings in a, in a sort of graphic that way. And uh, they loved it. It was very easy to understand. And then, you know, I could remind them where we are in the process. And that worked well yeah, uh, in that, that case. That's a great idea. So, so um, but with, and then with Clever Moderns, um, I, so I haven't had, I'm about, I'm uh, a couple of ways I'm going to be monetizing, I think coming up pretty soon. So I'm, I'm going to rework the resources page of my website and, and put consulting on there. Uh, at $150 an hour to just, because a lot of people now are coming uh, to me and wanting to pick my brain. They think the Quonset thing is wonderful and they're excited about watching my progress and whatever, and they'd love to pick my brain. Yeah. And uh, your brain's not free. Yeah, I'm going to be happy to have them pick my brain. I have it just on the website that here's how it works if you want to pick my brain. And then I've got the Facebook group if you want to. If you want to just bat ideas around with other like minded folks who love Quonset huts, join the Facebook group. And that's yeah. a great place for that too. Um, then it's free, you know? Uh, so, um, and I, uh, so there's that. Now I've also had some folks approach me recently who are, have, they have got some land in Texas and they want to build a, they, they want something different and they really want a Quonset hut house. And so they are, um, you know, I'm, I'm having a phone meeting with them on Friday, uh, to present, um, some different ways my services could work to, um, you know, to work with them on their, on their house. And so, um, and they seem pretty, of all of the ones I've talked to, they seem very serious about, you know, wanting to move forward. And uh, they've talked to a Quonset Hut manufacturer. They've got floor plans developed that I'll help them massage and improve. And, um, and they, uh, but they, you know, they seem like they're, and they, and they considered getting a local architect, but they are, um, but they really love what I'm doing and love my, love my enthusiasm. So they really want to work with me. And I happen to be licensed in Texas, so that works well. And uh, so, you know, so for them, I'm not, I, I'm not entirely clear on. I'll probably have a couple of different ways to formulate the services because it's really not a. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. I'm just not sure how much real handholding all the way through and involvement, or I think it'll be a simpler. It'll be a simpler proposition with then uh, consulting as needed you know, at an hourly rate through the process. I, I find it very interesting that sort of your your interest in welding turned into a show, which then blossomed into uh, clients. And now your interest in building an online platform attracted some clients, got some interest in is now blossoming into potential clients. And so it's, uh, it's very interesting how um, sort of your Parson architecture is out there and it's and it's you know you do some work here and you do do it more traditionally in in other ways, um, but these other interests that you're pursuing and that you're spending time developing are turning into not only what you expect them to be, but they're also coming back to Parson Architecture and, and sort of helping to feed Parson Architecture as well. Right. Yeah. It's it's been a kind of an amazing. When I, if, when I really look back over the last few years, it's uh, things. It's been kind of an amazing uh, transition and process that I've gone through. Yeah. Other than architecture, what makes you happy? 
Well, I, um, let's see. I play the piano and I really love, I just sit and, uh, um, I have a piano lesson every week and I really enjoy that. I think it's good. It's enjoyable and it's relaxing and it's difficult also. Um, and I wanted something that would, uh, you know, when I was teaching, I realized that you, it's hard to learn new things when you're an adult. It can be because when you're a kid, all you do is learn because everything you have to learn everything. Right. And then, you that tapers off and then you quit learning new things and we especially as architects we have to keep keep on that right so with piano you you know you can play relatively well but you can always improve I mean, with anything in life you can always keep improving but it's you know you can always be learning a new piece and it's always fresh and interesting and new and i don't know i really love that i love a great time with my dogs and we like taking the dogs out and um I just, I, especially now that we have this property in arizona i just i really love being out in nature and, you know, observing that, um, getting really interested in like geology and some of that stuff because of the rocks on our land and some of that yeah. stuff that's interesting. And we're right by the Grand Canyon. So, I mean, there's all that and that's amazing. So what's the best advice you ever received? <sighs> well, I, you know, I was thinking about this and I, I think that the, uh, I think back when I was a kid and, and, uh, not when I was a kid, but when I was, when I was through school and I wasn't licensed and Jim Love, the architect, my, my friend's dad who lived down the street from us and we always stayed in touch over the years and he passed away a few years ago, but he, he always told me, get your license, get your license. He always was in the back of my head telling me to get my license. And, uh, I don't, I mean, that was, he, 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 I, I guess when I early on, I was saying, you know, it wasn't really because of him that I became an architect. But once I started down that path, he was always uh, he would always say, well, we all make mistakes. And when I would talk about his dry humor would have him saying, oh, we all make our mistakes in life about my choice to become an architect. <laughs> um, but he always encouraged me to get my license. And I, I, I think of him fondly a lot. And when I think about advice I was given over the years one personal habit or a daily routine that contributes to your success? Definitely. I'm going to put in a plug for meditation on this one because, uh, I really suffer. I think, and a lot of, you know, it's, it's described as being chronic with entrepreneurs that you're just trying to go a million directions all at once. And there's so many good ideas out there that being able to just settle down and focus on something is really hard sometimes or all, all the time, most of the time. And, um, I think of it in comparison to, like if you try to go through the when you try and go through the grocery store and you don't get a cart or a basket and you're just walking through because you think you're just getting one or two things and then you start like adding and soon you're like juggling all this stuff without any way to really manage it or or deal with it and so uh, when I'm when I'm meditating I sometimes had this sort of mental image of just like setting things down one at a time and bringing order to it because I you know there's just like so many ideas and thoughts going through my head all the time that it's hard to I think that brings a ton of focus and calm and, and, and really, uh, a lot of the, I would say letting go of a lot of the fear and setting it down that like had me not having the newsletter or even pursuing, uh, the, the whole Quonset hut thing, you know, um, 
has come from a kind of calm that I've gotten from from meditating. So, you know, every morning, no, and I don't, I'm not that good at it. I don't do it every day, but I, I wish I did, and I, that's my, that would be my goal. Um, Twenty minutes in the morning, get it going. Yeah, I think it's important. I think with architects in general, we have so many hats we're wearing, especially small firm architects. Uh, it's a big help for me as well. And I too struggle with doing it every day. Uh, but when I do, I feel it. I can tell when I did. How about a recommended app or an internet resource? So, okay. I, I have a couple of things that I can recommend on this area. So there I use, my browser is Google Chrome. And so for a while I had Chrome opening to my email and then I realized like that's the wrong thing. Cause you don't want to just open your browser every time and be like, confronted with the email in your inbox. Yeah. That's not their way to do it. So there is an add-on to Chrome called Speed Dial 2. And that basically brings up, when you open the browser, it whatever, whatever pages you set, they appear as tiles on the screen. And so I have my email and my calendar, and uh, I have Slack on there for the Entree Architect Slack channel, and I've got Trello because I have some Trello stuff going on. And so I have several things on there and it allows me to open it and easily go to the one that I want without being bombarded with the content unless I choose it. Like a personal dashboard. Uh, yeah. So I really like that. Um, Trello is a good one as well. I'm developing an online course to go along with Clever Moderns and I'm outlining it in Trello and that's working really well. Um, that's a great tool. And um, and I'll, the third one I'll throw out there is uh, if you don't have a, I know you said one, so I'm giving you three. That's okay. Uh, everybody needs a password manager, and I really like LastPass. It's free, and uh, it's been great. I've had it for a few years now, and so all my passwords are, it will generate a complex, secure password for you if you need it. It stores them all. Um, it's a little bit scary, because then if somebody broke into LastPass, they'd have everything. But uh, <laughs> it's it's better than trying to keep track of it some other way. And I, it's been great having that, uh, recommended book and why, uh, I just started mindset by Carol Dweck mm, and I'm good, really good excited one. about reading that and her, she's a psychologist and her thesis is, um, that, uh, there's in her framework of looking at it, there are two types of mindset. There is a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. And she's done tons of studies on people of all ages from little children up to, to through adults. And um, you can around any given to, it's topic specific, apparently, in your in your sort of individual in your psychology, in your mind, the way you categorize the world. You could have a, a fixed mindset in one area and a growth mindset in another area. But, um, you know, it's basically uh, if you feel chronically stuck in a particular area of your life, you probably have a fixed mindset. In other words, you're. Your opinion of yourself and your abilities in that area is that it's fixed, it's static, and you cannot improve it. People with a growth mindset have the idea that, like, I can always learn new things. I can always improve from where I'm at and grow. And um, it sort of goes back to there. There's an old quote by Henry Ford that I'm not going to get exactly right, but it's, you know, the paraphrased version is, if whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And... Uh, so it's sort of like a, you know, a studied uh, uh, validation of that by a, you know, a team, a, a team of psychologists, and she wrote this book, and it's pretty interesting so far. It's a, it's a great book. I read it, and it's, uh, it's a very, very good book. I highly recommend it as well. 
Let's uh, let's wrap up with the one question that I ask all my guests, and then we can uh, end with a parting uh, piece of advice. Uh, let's start with the question that I ask everybody. What is one thing that an entrepreneur architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? I think... I think it's uh, after going through the experience with the business plan, I think it's really if you really want to improve your business for tomorrow, I think you have to think ahead about that. You have to put in the hard work of sitting down with a blank sheet of paper, like, a, you know, like going back to my experience with the business plan and doing that. It, it's it's hard. It's just hard work to develop the ideas that are going to shape your business. Um but if you think about it, that you're, you know, you're going to get from here to five years from now anyway, one way or another, five years from now is going to show up on your doorstep. So you can go through it with a little bit of a plan. Uh, any kind of a plan is better than just fumbling through it, but you're going to get there anyway. You're going to end up there. Uh, better to have a, some kind of plan. That's a, that's very good advice. A very good observation. Five years is coming whether you plan it or not. <laughs> so you might as well plan it. Um, I did an episode just a few weeks ago, uh, episode 187, the 60 minute business plan. And mm -hmm. so if you think it's overwhelming and daunting, I challenge you to do it in 60 minutes. And that episode will show you how. So build a business plan <laughs> right now. Uh, great advice. Um, what's uh, some parting advice, some guidance for our listeners as an entrepreneur architect, working your way through, uh, through your plans, through your life, what is uh, some some parting guidance? So when I when I came up with the when I when I described the aha moment that I had uh, about giving away the plans for free and then rearranging all the rest of the ideas around that concept, the way that I think when I when I've reflected back on that moment, I compare it to the experience that you have when you're developing a design and you're staring at your floor plan. And you've been working on it for weeks, and then you you take the plan and rotate it on the page or on the screen and start looking at it from the other direction. It, it looks totally different all of a sudden, right? When you flip the plan, it it really you see things differently. You see things from a different angle, and that's true of I think everything in life. I think when you, you and, and you can't help but being accustomed to coming at things from the way that you normally come at them. That's just how we operate as human beings. But if you can figure out a way to take a fresh approach, take it, flip the plan, take a different set of given conditions to your problem, you'll get all kinds of new ideas for how to solve whatever it is you're trying to, whether it's a design problem or a, any kind of problem or any kind of idea that you're trying to work through. So flip the plan is sort of one of the things that I'm really a uh, little catchphrase that I cling to yeah. sometimes uh, to bring fresh thinking. So flip the plan. I love that. I love that idea. It'd make a great brand. Go see if URL is available. <laughs> flip the plan. Um, <laughs> a whole new business for you. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Uh, that's, that's a great, great advice. So, uh, let's wrap things up. How, what's the best way that our listeners can reach out and say hi and say thanks and connect with you? So clevermoderns.com is really the, the central locus of all of that. There's a contact page on there. That's got how all of the, uh, 
You can find the Facebook group that way. I'd love to have more architects in the Facebook group. It just adds a fun dimension to the discussion. I get busted on some of my details in there. It's fun. <laughs> uh, and um, so that's, you know, you can find that. That'll have a link to the Instagram. Uh, if anybody wants to start getting the newsletter once a month with all the updates from Arizona and, uh, and that, yeah, so clevermoderns.com and then search around on there. It's all, it's all there. Everything, yeah. everything Earl's doing is clever moderns with an S dot com. Um, Earl, thank you. Thanks for hanging out with me here for the hour or so and sharing your story and uh, sharing your knowledge with the Entree Architect podcast. My pleasure. And thanks so much for having me, Mark. You've been a big inspiration for me. Thank you for that. You're welcome. If you want to be featured here at the Entree Architect podcast as part of the Entrepreneur Architect series, I love this series and I want to share your story. Shoot us an email at podcast at entrearchitect.com and let us know that you want to be featured here on the show. I want to share your story. I want you to have the opportunity to share your knowledge with the Entree Architect community. So podcast at entrearchitect.com. Send me an email. Let me know you want to be on the show. And if you liked what we shared here today, I ask you to share it with a friend. Pick one friend who you think might benefit from this episode and share this link, entrearchitect.com slash episode 192. This is episode 192. And that is the, the link to share entrearchitect.com slash episode 192. Share it right now. But before you do that, don't forget to visit the website to learn more about our free profit course for small firm architects. It's a free course that will show you how to be a profitable architecture firm. Down, download it for free at entrearchitect.com slash free course. My name is Mark Arlapage and I am an entrepreneur architect and I encourage you to build a better business so that you can be a better architect. Love, learn, and share what you know. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this. I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. 
in drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively that (laughs) then you know in your head you've rooted like oh i'm connected to these people like long term the process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges demanding meticulous planning flawless execution and unyielding resilience i kind of hate the term because it's so overly used but i think everybody knows imposter syndrome and i think it's it's so real to this day i i I don't know if it's with everybody but with me i'm always questioning like us can we do this are we ready to do this are we prepared can we do it did we just decide a name (laughs) we did it guys one that came out of nowhere it came out of nowhere i liked it i saw it ready to turn your aspirations into reality Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.